this past week, I was down ill, and I'm still not 100%, but I literally lost my voice, uh, among some other things, but I literally lost my voice. Last week, Saturday, my, my throat started itching. Sunday, I got up, and it wasn't all there. And, and I just told God, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to give my all. Um, I, I don't know how to save my voice for preaching time. Uh, and so I was, I was trying to sing full voice because that, that's how I know to do. And, uh, you know, uh, and even right now I feel my voice breaking to some extent, but that's okay. I'm just going to give all that I have. Is that all right? Uh, and so for many of you that would have known that I was, I was down and I was out, I want to thank you guys so much for your prayers, uh, people who text, people who called. Um, my, my biggest concern whenever I lose my voice is... Not necessarily my inability to preach. Uh, and, and while I know I could sing in my mind, the reason that really concerns me when I lose my voice is I don't get the opportunity to use my voice in praise towards God. Uh, and, and that bothers me. Uh, I, I'll say this without exaggeration. I might lose a finger or a toe or a hand or a foot or a leg, if not both, that, that may bother me, but it, it, it won't bother me as much as me losing my voice. Because in as much as God has blessed me with a voice, I believe my voice is meant to give God glory. I, I believe everything that comes out my mouth, and a lot of it that comes out sometimes doesn't reflect the goodness of God. But I believe my voice is meant to give God praise, to, to give God my hallelujah. My voice is meant to sing out about the goodness of God. My voice is meant to pray in times of suffering. My voice is meant to preach to the masses. My voice is meant to worship God in spirit and in truth. So it bothers me, church, uh, when I don't have a voice to be able to share with you all and to fellowship with you all and to join with you all as we all sing praises to Almighty, Almighty God. And, and so I'm really thankful this morning for the opportunity to share with you uh, as best as I can for the next few minutes, a brief exhortation continuing where we left off on last week. But before we get there, would you stand with me? Uh, Jose, uh, I, I didn't give you this text. This text literally just uh, came to me before we get into our message on tonight. But if you mind, Jose, uh, go ahead and, and, and translate from Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 23 to 29. Uh, and so for those who know Jose is in the back there, he is translating. Uh, he does have my outline, but uh, I didn't put this text in there. So I'm trying to give him some time to pull up that text for himself while he translates. Uh, our scripture reading this morning is taken from the book of Hebrews chapter 11, verses 23 through 29. If you're there, say amen. By faith. Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents. Because they saw he was a beautiful child, and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, when he became of age, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. 
choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasure of sin. Esteeming rather the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was invisible. Let me repeat that one more time. By faith he forsook Egypt, here it is, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Verse 29, by faith. Say by faith. They passed through the Red Sea. As by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do the same all perished and died. Church, you may have your seats. Last week, as we were endeavoring to get to our brief exhortation, we, we looked at some things before considering the topic that was given. And the topic that was given last week was, be still, it ain't better back there. But last week, I started off by saying a, a fear that that becomes unchecked or a fear that goes unchecked becomes an enemy of one's faith. Faith does not mean the absence of fear as many might be led to believe, but faithful individuals shall never be an adherent to the thing or the feeling of fear, especially when that fear stands in opposition to God. So not only are we to make sure and check our fears, but also we, we have to make sure that our fear is actually pointed in the right place or at the right person. In other words, I, I need for us to understand that an unchecked faith, fear, sorry, is dangerous to our faith, but fear in and of itself does not mean the absence of faith. But the believer, the one who has faith and is trying to live according to faith, even though they have fear in them, they must learn the, they must learn the, 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 the skill of pointing their fear at the thing or the person that they are supposed to point their fear to. Let me, let me show you what this means in the text. Jesus, when he sent the, the, the disciples out for the first time in Matthew chapter number 10 and verse number 28, here is what he would say to them. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hellfire. It's one thing to have fear, but if you have to have fear, direct it at the right person. To put it another way, if you have some fear or if you have to fear someone or something, let it be God. 
If, 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 if fear has to be the thing that grips you and if fear has to be the thing that motivates you, if, if you have to be fearful of someone or something, let it be that you are fearful. You with me, church? Let it be that you are fearful of God. If you are not tracking with me yet, let me say this. Having fears or being scared isn't the sin. But if we allow it, the fear, to manifest in us thoughts and actions and beliefs that run contrary to the will and character of God, then and there is when it becomes a sin or sinful to us. If, if I were to put it another way, to be frank with you, here is what I would say. Don't let fear make us act the fool. Don't let fear make us act the fool. And you know what I mean. You, you might be thinking something different, but let me show you the fool, the word fool in, in its biblical context. I know we use the word fool in a derogatory way, and a derogatory sense, but I want to bring the word back to how it's used in Scripture. Here is what Scripture would say, Psalm chapter 14 and verse number 1. The fool had said in his heart, there is no God. I, I, I know we, we, we like to categorize people that we deem as foolish and idiots and that kind of stuff. And we say, well, you fool. But I need for us to see what this meant in a biblical sense. The, the psalmist is telling us the one who is accounted as a fool is one who in his heart says there is no God. In other words, what he was picking up on was the fact that how could you look out at what creation is speaking to you? How could you look out at your life? How could you, how could you honestly come to the conclusion that, that there is not a created be a creative being he said a fool had said in his heart there is no god here's here's job in job chapter number two and verse number ten this is of course after mrs job uh throughout the trials of job's life mrs job said unto him do you still maintain your integrity job how about you do this why don't you curse god and die and Job would say to Mrs. Job, Madam Job, if you were, he would say to his wife, you, you don't know what you're saying. You're speaking like one of the foolish women are speaking. That's not to say he was saying, you are being an idiot right now. No, 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 that's not what he's saying. He's saying, listen, you are talking as someone who has not seen the workings of God in your life. You're talking as one who, who has never served God and God hasn't served you. You're, you're talking as someone who, who doesn't know God. How could you say curse God and die when you have, have tasted in the goodness of God? So he says to her, you speak as someone who does not know God. That's, that's really what he's saying when he says you speak as one of the foolish women. And so he isn't trying to degrade her in as much as he's trying to help her to understand, listen, how could you say what you are saying when God, you've tasted of the goodness of God. You've prayed to God and he has blessed you. You've, you've prayed to God and he has ordered your steps. You, you've prayed to God for strength and he has given you your strength. You've, you've prayed to God and he has answered your many requests. How could you say now when we are going through a time of difficulty, trial and distress, how could you say to me, Curse God and die. You're, you're, you're not speaking like someone who has faith. You're, you're not showing a disposition of someone who's been touched by God. How could someone who's been touched by God turn, out, turn around and then slap God's hand off of their life? How could someone who's been blessed by God then now turn their back on God? How could someone who have been saved by God now come and, and speak ill of God? He says, you speak. Your speech 
is an indication of your character. He says you act like someone whose God's hand has not handled. Uh, and so he says, I, I want us to see this. I, I want us to appreciate this. Don't let our fear, I'm not going to harp on that too much, but don't let our fear make us act the fool. Because sometimes we could become so gripped by fear that we lose a sense of self. We lose our sense of who God is. We lose all sense of moral. We lose all sense of spirituality. And all of a sudden, we, we become so gripped by fear that we begin to think things that are ungodly. We begin to act in ways that don't display the goodness of God. We, we begin to look as if God's hand has never been on our lives. So don't let fear make us act the fool. You guys with me? This was the case, however, with the children of Israel. With the Red Sea in front of them and the Egyptian army at their back, they allowed their fear to make them begin to act fool. After they've been praying to God for 400 years, send us a deliverer. And after Moses, through Moses' hands, God would would use 10 plagues as a clear indication that he was being a deliverer unto them after he allowed them to leave Egypt. And I need for us to appreciate this. When they left Egypt church, we often associate them leaving and taking all the riches as they plundered Egypt. But, uh, but, but, but when you plunder, there is a sense of struggle. This wasn't plundering. This was them taking as if what they were walking out with was their own because what God was saying to them was whatever you're going to take is actually yours. So you walk into the house as if it's yours and you take whatever you want. God allowed them to leave, leave Egypt with wealth and riches as well as their freedom. Don't, don't miss that. God allowed them to leave Egypt not just with their freedom. God didn't make them leave Egypt simply with their hands swinging. God said, well, before you even step foot out of Egypt, you go and take whatever you want and then some. And the Egyptians won't even raise a finger to you. So when he led them up by a mighty hand, God was blessing them above measure. I need for us to understand that because sometimes we think that salvation is just this, this, this mundane thing. But I need for you to see in our salvation that God offers to us through his son Jesus Christ. He blesses us beyond measure. It's not just he saved us from our sins and that's great. But he's blessed us beyond measure. There is a home prepared for you and I. You may not have riches on this side but there is a crown waiting for you on the other side. Your shoe might wear out here on this side, but there are shoes up there that will never wear out. Your body might grow fickle and weak on this side, but there's a body on the other side that shall never grow old, that shall never die, that shall never get sick. God blesses us beyond measure. And so they just lost their minds in this moment of fear. Not only did they lose their minds in this moment of fear, but they, they were running the risk of missing the blessing and seeing the salvation of the Lord. And I want to bring you right there into our text on this morning. I have about 10 more minutes. Let me see if I can make this work. I want to bring you right there back in our text in, in the book of Exodus chapter number 14, 
we'll actually be taking everything that I'll be given here from verses 13 all the way down to verse number 30. And I want to share with you this morning from the subject I've entitled, Pay Attention, You Don't Want to Miss This. Pay attention. You don't want to miss this. You've heard the saying, the devil is in the details. And more often than not, God could simply have gotten across his point as to what he was doing in the, in, in the Exodus, taking the children of Israel through the Red Sea by simply saying that God led the children of Israel through the Red Sea to the other side and he killed the Egyptians. That's it. And that would be an accurate summation. That would be an accurate summary. That would suffice, as it were, to tell the story of how God took the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. He brought them to the Red Sea. And, in the, and as he brings them to the Red Sea, the army comes to their back. God simply opens up the, 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 the doorway or the pathway of the Red Sea, allows them to go through on dry land. They get to the other side. And the Egyptians, as they try to follow along, God closes the Red Sea. They are destroyed. The, 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 the Israelites see them no more. And that would suffice, I guess. But God didn't do that by the hand and the pen of Moses through inspiration of the Spirit. What God does through Moses, as Moses writes, is he gives a clear, defined outline and detail of how God went about to deliver the children from one side of the Red Sea to take them to the other side before he begins to bring them into the wilderness. And I don't have time because I have now about six or maybe eight more minutes. But I, I want you to see this. If you read from verse 13 through number 30, you would get a clearly detailed outline depiction of how God goes about to part the Red Sea. But I want to share with you some observations that I've made as God tells the Israelites and as God tells Moses to tell the Israelites, stand still, pay attention, and observe or see the salvation of the Lord. I want us to appreciate that there are some things that God wants them to see and take note of that becomes valuable or invaluable to them later on and certainly invaluable to us based on how God goes about bringing salvation to his people. Is that all right? Watch this. In our text, I want to show us four things. I may not get to the four, but I want to show us four things. Number one, the things that God wanted the Israelites to see and the thing that I believe God wants us to see as well as it pertains to his salvation, number one is this. Our deliverance comes by means of God and God alone, not any power that you and I have. Let that settle in. Whatever deliverance comes our way, Whatever perceived deliverance that is had in our lives comes only by the means of God's power and not any human power that you and I have. So though we might be participants with God, Though we might be partners with God from time to time in ministry and life, the truth is any salvation that comes our way, any means of deliverance that comes our way. When you break the chain of addiction, that's not you, that's God. When you break the chain of idolatry, that's not you, that's God. When you break pornography, that's not you, that's God. When you've been blessed to break chains and whatever means of deliverance, that didn't come by your own strength, that was by the strength of Almighty God. 
So God is trying to help them to see and to recognize any deliverance that you have. Any deliverance that you receive. In this case, it was deliverance physically from their enemies, the, the Egyptians. Any deliverance that you gain and you, and you receive is really because of me. What type of person would you be when you recognize every deliverance that you have in your life is because of God and not because of yourself? Every heartbreak that you overcame wasn't because you were listening to music. It wasn't because uh, somebody, somebody said a nice word to you. Every single thing that you have been delivered from, it could be poverty, it could be brokenness, it could be whatever. Every single thing that you have been delivered from, that only came because of the real deliverer that is God. So God wants them to observe. I want you to see this, Israel. That in your deliverance, it's going to be by a means that you couldn't do for yourself. I'll tell you what, there's a lot that we think and delude ourselves into thinking that we could do for ourselves. But there was one thing that you and I could not do. We couldn't save ourselves from our own sins. We, we couldn't pull ourselves from the, from, from the hands of the devil. That took God sending his son, Jesus Christ, so that you and I could now be deemed free from sin. We could now be deemed his sons and his daughters. Deliverance really only comes through and by the means of God and God alone. You could say amen when you can. Number two, number two, uh, this is all in the text. I just don't have time to deal with the details. I'm asking you to read it, but it's all in the text. Number two, here's what God wanted them to see. The same power, the same power that made a pathway for them was the same power that protected them. It's amazing how God does this because the picture you get in Exodus 14 is that God uses a mighty wind. It's described as an easterly wind that blows actually from the other side of the sea, parting the sea from the other side until it gets to them. Don't miss this. God says the same power that is parting the sea is the same power that's going to protect you and me. The same power that is parting the sea, I'm going to do some physics here, is the same power that's protecting you and me. That's, that's miraculous because the same force that was being used to blow and di displace the water didn't displace them. And yet still, force that was keeping them sure was acting as a barrier between them and their enemies. So the water is being displaced, but they were standing still. <laughs> you ever stand in, in, in gusty winds? And sometimes, you know, you, you've ever been in some of those winds where the wind is blowing really hard and you have to fight against the wind. I'm telling you, this, this, this was that, those type of winds. This was take your house, take, take skyscrapers type of wind. This thing is blasting the sea apart with, with laser-like with laser accuracy. 
And yet as it blows at their face, it hugs them like an evening breeze. You're missing it. It's blasting the sea apart, but it hugs their face and their bodies like a cool Sunday evening, 68 degree weather type breeze in Nashville. You, you, you're not hearing what I'm saying. The same power that was blasting the sea apart was wrapping them like a mother would wrap her hands around her beloved kids while also providing protection at the backs of her children. I love what Lance said earlier because here is the truth. This is, this is number three, so I'm going to go there one more time. What, what God also wants them to realize is that he not only matches, matches up the intensity and the energy of the enemy, but he surpasses it. Let that soak in for a little bit. I, I want to preach this third. God will not only match the energy and the effort of the enemy, he will surpass it. They grew afraid, Joe David, because they not only heard, but they saw the chariots coming. And when the chariots were coming, you could imagine that there were some things happening to the environment while the chariots were, 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 were fastly reaching them. You could imagine dust and, and all that stuff going up in the air. But here's what I learned in physics. They tell me in order to displace a certain body of water, the object has to be greater in weight than the body of water itself. So that is to say, if you're riding a tricycle and you roll over a body of water, depending on how deep the water is, you won't displace the water entirely. And you might make a little splash. If you're driving a truck, you might be able to go through the same body of water and displace all of the water. This is a sea church. If, if, you, could, if you could envision this, this is a sea. And God is saying, I'm going to not just match the army and the intensity of the army that's on your back. I'm going to surpass it. Could you imagine God coming with his chariots? Yeah. What, how big does the truck have to be? How big do, does the army and these chariots have to be that as they ride through the Red Sea that the water is being displaced? I need for you to see, the, the little kids would understand this. You, you, you kids know the song, my God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There is nothing my God cannot do. You know that song? How does it go? Come on, come on. Come on, sing it. My God is so strong, so big and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do for you. Sing it for them. Sing it for them. Go on, go on, go on, go on, go on. Sing, sing, sing. Sing, sing, sing. Come on. Come on. One more time. One more time. Come on. One more time. You got it. One more time. One more time. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do for you. <sighs> God will not only match the energy of the enemy, he'll surpass it. So while the enemy is coming against them, the minute Lance said it, I was ready to shout. God is showing 
from the other side, I'm running to you while the enemy is coming up against you. But I need for you to stand still and observe that I am coming to you. Watch this, watch this. I need to be done. Watch this. Can you get ready? I won't get to number four. Watch this, watch this. When they are commanded to erect the tabernacle or the tent, the door of the tabernacle was supposed to face the east because the sun rises in the east. It was an indication of God waking us up and blessing us to see a new day, a new dawn, something new. God is still there. When God shows up through the means of the wind that blows and separates the waters apart so that the train of Israel could run, walk through on dry land, the description is the wind comes from the east. So before there was a tabernacle, before there was a tent, before there was a temple, God is saying, I want you to act as if this space is your tabernacle. I want you to act as if this place is your tent and I want you to park yourself at the entrance of the tabernacle and look eastward and see me coming to your aid. See me coming to bring salvation to you. See me running to you. See me on my chariots riding to you. And I'm not just coming to match the enemy. I'm coming to overpower them. I won't just kill some of them. I'll kill all of them. You will never see them in this form or fashion again going forward. You might encounter trouble, but not this type of trouble. You might encounter difficulty, but not this type of difficulty. I'll wipe it out. So God wants them to observe, listen, I want you to see that I'll, I, I'm running to you. The opposition and the enemy is coming against you. Could I say this? Kenny, I'm done. We need to be done. Could I say this while I ask you to stand? This is the last observation. I'm just going to say this, Kenny, and I'll be done. Here is something else we observe in the text. While God is warring, warring, am I saying that with warring? While God is warring for us, he requires us to walk. While God is busy warring on our behalf, we have a responsibility and duty to keep walking. Keep walking. The army's at your back. Keep walking. Difficulty is on the horizon. That's fine. Keep walking. You don't know where you're going to. That's fine. You're required to just keep walking. I'll be a pillar of cloud by day to give you some shade. And I'll be a pillar of fire by night to give you light and give you some heat. Keep walking. I know you'll have some distress in life. Keep walking. I know you might have some heartbreak. 
keep walking. I know some co-workers are trying to do you harm. Keep walking. I know some members and some church members don't understand you, but keep walking. I know the family may not be going good and going right and things may not be going well, but keep warring because while God is warring for us, he requires us to just keep walking. So church, I want to encourage you, pay attention because in the midst of what you're going through, God is showing you a detailed outline of how he's taken the occasion and the time to deliver you. So while he is warring Kim, keep walking.